0: Hello, and welcome back for this bonus episode of I Wasn't Always Like This, an uplifting podcast about living with depression. Get comfy. This episode is a little longer than usual. It's actually pretty long. There's just so much I want to share with you all about how I was helped in Texas. Thank you for listening.
1: Don't give in, it's just the journey, the darkness grows the seed.
0: Bonus episode, look for the helpers. One of my most favorite quotes from Fred Rogers, also known as Mr. Rogers, was something his mother told him when he was young. That when he was scared or things seemed unsure, he should look for the helpers. This guidance is so useful in so many ways, in so many situations, especially right now with the world. I'll get to that in a bit. I want to start with my recent adventure to Texas. If you listen to the bonus episode I released last month, I shared about how I was invited to present at a conference in Edinburgh, Texas a small town about 10 miles from the current border with Mexico. The conference was sponsored by the University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley School of Social Work. It was focused on the five dimensions of wellness for mental health and suicide prevention, with the main focus being on Hispanic youth. However, one of those five dimensions was spirituality. And when I asked about my very not Hispanic background, They explained that they were interested in the spiritual wisdom that I could bring to the conversation. It was really humbling and thrilling. As I prepared for the conference, I was being stretched in many ways. Creating a CV, which I learned is different from my employment resume. Establishing learning objectives to satisfy CEU requirements, something I had to Google to learn how to do. And in general, presenting myself as, well, a presenter. For years, specifically 13 years, I've been an ordained minister. I've done speaking gigs, taught classes, facilitated workshops, done Sunday talks, the whole gamut of the minister's life. I never had to, I think the word is validate, what I do and who I am. This was a huge stretch. Before I went, during my time of preparation, I was supported by many helpers, folks from my seminary, friends from all different aspects of my life, my family. There was so much encouragement that I began to feel the seeds of confidence begin to sprout and grow. So let's start at the beginning of the journey. I was taken to the airport by a helper my buddy James, who dropped me off at 4 a.m. so that I would have plenty of time to get through TSA and arrive at my gate. I do not like to run in airports or feel sweaty on a plane. To my amazement, at 4 a.m. at the Cleveland Hopkins Airport, the line for the TSA check stretched across the entire front of the ticket counters. As I walked on and on, passing so many people, I wasn't actually sure that there was an end to the line. Once I found my spot online, though, I began a friendly chat with a young woman in front of me who was concerned that she wouldn't make her flight and the couple behind me who unintentionally cut in. They made up for that by being quite nice. None of us got angry or stressed. We just helped each other along. In fact, we were all trying to problem-solve how to get that young woman farther up in line so she wouldn't have to run. It took less time than we expected, and soon enough, we were all through and headed off to our gates. My gate was, of course, the farthest away from where I started. (laughs) I just kept telling myself, you're getting your steps. In fact, by the time I reached the gate, my phone alerted me that I had just completed more activity than I had in some time. My phone congratulated me. We boarded the plane on time and I had the window exit row seat, my favorite seat when I absolutely have to fly. There was a lovely gentleman in the aisle seat and we greeted one another and were both very happy when the door shut and there was no one sitting between us. He was helpful when we landed in Houston and were not able to get off of the plane because there was lightning and the ground crew couldn't come out to do their thing. He looked up where our next flight would be waiting for us yes we were on the next leg of the journey together in the same seats we had plenty of time because there was already a weather delay so no stress when we got off the plane i headed into the airport and paused to take a look around a tall friendly cowboy struck up a conversation with me asking if i needed any help finding my way he admitted that he is a texan transplant and had grown up in new jersey I suspected that he might have also knocked back a couple of beverages on the flight. My gut instinct was to prepare myself for him to say something awful, politically, culturally, socially. And he surprised me by saying something that instantly made us compatriots on our paths. I won't repeat it here. Suffice to say, I exhaled mightily as he wished me well on my travels and went off on his own journey. Because we were going to be two and a half hours late arriving in Austin, I tried to reach the Hertz rental car office at the Austin airport to let them know and to please hold my car for me. I couldn't reach them because, important tip for all of you, Hertz airport offices don't answer their phones. I decided that instead of getting totally stressed and angry, which was what was starting to happen, or slipping into the, I told you so space of, this wouldn't have happened if they just let me drive. I decided that I would simply walk around, listen to some music and just let the moment be what it was. This was a huge moment of growth for me. Epic, monumental. I did, okay. I did get a touch irritated when our gate was changed four times within two hours, and I had to keep walking back and forth from one hallway to another. Again, my phone step counter was thrilled with me. However, once I boarded and found my exit row buddy again, I was feeling just fine and not the least bit sweaty. The short flight from Houston to Austin was bumpy is the polite word for it. The pilots demonstrated amazing skill in keeping the bumpiness from being horrible, and we were on the ground before any real panic set in. I picked up my car, holy macaroni, it was a ginormous Jeep Cherokee, and headed out onto the road. Because of the delay, I didn't reach Edinburgh until it was dark, and, of course, it was also pouring rain. My plan had been to arrive by 5 p.m. My actual arrival was 8 p.m. I was tired, fried, and ready to not be moving. That was when I encountered Ben, the overnight front desk worker at my hotel. He was welcoming, funny, and very kind. When I went to buy a frozen dinner from the hotel snack room, he waived the fee and said, just take it, go rest, you've had quite a day. I tried to pay him, he wouldn't have it. I truly appreciated that gesture of hospitality. The room was great and I settled right in. I was so exhausted that I didn't even turn on the television, which if you know me, you probably don't believe that. It's true though. The next morning I woke up early, ready for the first day of the conference. There was a great breakfast at the hotel, so grateful for that, and off I went. My mind was on the first presentation I was responsible for that morning, an interfaith panel on spirituality and mental health. The panel members included a rabbi, an imam, a pastor, and then I was the moderator. We hadn't met yet. That was supposed to happen the night before. Without surrendering to worry or fretting, I leaned into my prayer practice and trusted that all would be well. It was on my way to the conference that morning that I noticed one of my tires was registering as being low on air. These newfangled cars have so many bells and whistles, I didn't even know what most of the buttons were for. However, there was a huge screen that showed me my tires and the pressure of each, and was letting me know that my right rear tire needed some love. I decided that I would take care of that when the conference closed for the day. My afternoon workshop would end at 4 p.m. and I would head right over to the tire place that I passed on my way from the hotel to the conference center. Immediately upon arriving at the conference center, I got lost. (laughs) There was another person who was lost too. It was the rabbi for our panel. We helped one another find our way to the rooms we were using, and we found our pastor there waiting for us. A few minutes later, I began receiving text messages from our imam who was lost somewhere in the building. I joined with Marisol, one of the most amazing helpers from the weekend, and we played a text game of Marco Polo with our lost sheep and found him quickly. (laughs) After the first two presenters, it was our turn. Like leaping out of an airplane to skydive, which I would never do, I leapt into the experience of the panel with little to no knowledge of what was to unfold, and it went great. Folks warmed up to my not so stiff and collegiate style and each panel member shared so beautifully about what they bring to those who are seeking something a bit deeper and different from traditional therapy. I spoke honestly about some of my past experiences within the mental health industrial complex and how I needed to learn to navigate answering their diagnostically directed questions. Clarifying the balancing act, I have mastered in understanding how my practice of listening to guidance compares with how I answer their box checking assessment question, do you hear voices? I explained to the conference goers that I usually smile politely at the questioner and then directly lie to them. (laughs) Fortunately, there was some relatable laughter at that example. The panel also shared about the benefits of clergy being part of the healing team for young people and how, regardless of one's belief system, religious or otherwise, having a spiritual companion along the journey can be truly helpful. The response to our panel was overwhelmingly loving. We received some wonderful feedback and folks were talking about it the entire two days of the conference. At our first break, a woman came over to tell me how much she appreciated the panel. She's a psychiatrist in Puerto Rico, and she and her husband were both born there, still live there, and practice in San Juan. I immediately asked if I offended her, because I can sometimes sound like I'm slamming traditional methods, especially psychiatry, and she said, no, just the opposite. She shared that what moved her was that I spoke from a wellness model, not an illness model that I spoke positively about navigating the world while living with depression. She was so pleased to hear me talk that way. That was another truly validating moment. Her husband, by her side, is a dentist. He and I had a good chat about the challenges for dentists who often wrestle with depression and suicide. They were both so lovely, I gifted them with my book. (laughs) Later that evening, I got a little more time with them over dinner, such a joy. After lunch, I was scheduled to present my first workshop. I had asked if a keyboard was going to be available. I wanted to sing a song or two as part of my offering. Well, they all went above and beyond to get me a really nice keyboard and an amp so we could hear it. Nadia was my superhero helper on this. She also found my ring when it flew off my hand. I was taking it off to put lotion on my hands and the ring went flying through the air. With little effort, she looked around and then down and said, oh, is that your ring? The one under the table? And there it was, Nadia on the case. Nadia was one of the many helpers that I also gifted books to. It was the least I could do for them in exchange for their commitment to make life easier for me. Because the focus of this conference was on Hispanic youth, the majority of presenters and attendees were either native Spanish speakers or were bilingual. This meant that there were interpreters on-site, and those folks worked hard because most of the conference was presented in English. They were doing simultaneous translations, which, to be honest, impressed the heck out of me. I mean, as an ASL interpreter, I understand the challenges of translation and faithfully delivering a message. This team of interpreters was speaking the translation while the speakers were still speaking. This was a concept that was blowing my mind. Anyway, the interpreters wanted my presentation notes in advance. I had to explain to them that that's not how I roll, that I have an idea of where things will go, and a lot of it will depend on my audience. They were gracious and patient, and they were actually relieved when they found out that I also, on occasion, work as an interpreter. Common ground is a beautiful thing. They were sweet helpers and shared that my workshop moved them, And I have to say that it was incredibly moving to hear one of my own songs being translated in real time as I sang it. As Friday came to a close, I remembered that I needed to stop at the tire place to get air in the tire. The guys there, super nice and helpful, filled the tire and advised me that if it was low again in the morning, there was probably something that needed to be looked at. They sent me off with no charge for the air, or the advice, and with a supportive smiling wave and a message of, I hope it's nothing, as I drove away. That evening, the coordinator of the conference, Dr. Luis Torres, invited me to join him, his wife, and several other presenters for dinner. I was one of two out of 10 that did not speak Spanish. And at more than one moment, that was the only language being spoken around the table. It was wonderful. There was no judgment from them and no feeling of separation or isolation from me. Just all of us being ourselves. And the coordinator ordered so much food, I kept myself happily busy tasting new flavors and loving every moment of it. The next morning, Saturday the 7th, I woke up to discover that our world had been rocked. Israel was being mercilessly attacked And the complicated situation between human beings struggling for survival in that region had just become a whole lot more complicated. There was other disturbing news coming in from around the world and here in America as well. So I started the day focusing in on my mala prayer beads and speaking words of possibility into the universe. When I got in my car to head over to the conference, I noticed that the tire was in fact low on air again. I was gonna need to drive back to Austin the next day and I was presenting again at 2 p.m. so time was of the essence. Okay, I can handle this, I thought. I'll ask for help. The rest of the day leading up to my second workshop and after it was filled with helpers. Marisol called around to see what tire places might be open. Sarah shuttled me back and forth from the tire place, Luis richard whose last name is cervantes we totally bonded over don quixote jacob at the tire place all showed up with support and encouragement and then there was ryan i couldn't reach anyone at the hertz main number who could help me such a frustrating process so i finally called hertz roadside assistance in a desperate attempt to reach a live human being when he answered with Hertz Roadside Assistance, what is the location of your vehicle? I went a bit ballistic. I exploded with, that's not the right question to ask. And you know what? I don't think you can help me anyway. It sure seems like no one at Hertz can help me. Let's just forget the whole thing. And before I could hang up the phone, I heard Ryan saying, hold on, hold on. I am the person you want to talk to. I'm Ryan. Who are you and what's going on? trying so hard not to cry, that was the theme of the whole day, I explained what was going on. Ryan went to work. We spent about 45 minutes on the phone with him, running through all of my options. Get the spare on and drive back to Austin on it, unless it was a small donut spare, and if that was the case, that option was out. Replace the tire at my cost, where the car was at the moment a dealership, but they needed an answer on that within thirty minutes. Find a tire store that dealt with hertz that was on that was open both on Saturday and Sunday, just in case Replace the car at a local Hertz rental agency. there were three, two were closed, and the only open one was at you guessed it the local airport where they don't answer the phone. Ryan was online searching, putting me on hold to make calls and inquiries, talking me off the ledge, encouraging me to breathe so I could present my workshop. I realized that this entire experience could be, and totally should be, part of my workshop presentation, pointing out that when a person who does not live with depression or any mental illness faces moments like these, they simply get annoyed or feel inconvenienced. When I face them, it feels like a personal attack from the world, and I just wanna give up, curl up, and cry. Ryan assured me that he would not let that happen. By this time, I needed to go present, so we created a plan. Immediately after my workshop, I would get the car with the spare on it, drive it to the McAllen Airport, where the Hertz office was and try to exchange the vehicle. Ryan checked online because they wouldn't even answer a call from him and he's roadside assistance. Anyway, he said that there were cars available on the website, still no guarantees though. If there wasn't a vehicle available, my next step would be to go to the Firestone Tire Store and get the tire replaced. We'd worry about the cost of it later. My prayers of gratitude for help for abundance and for the support of Sarah shuttling me around were loud and unceasing, as were my continued prayers for the world as the news continued to unfold. As I presented my session, I explained what was going on and how it is something of an influence on my mental and emotional condition in that moment. The support was absolutely lovely. I integrated into my presentation the concept of choice, I could choose to suffer in this moment, to feel punished and helpless and victimized, or I could choose, instead of suffering, to acknowledge that I was struggling semantics so important to me, to recognize that, yes, it wasn't an easy moment. However, it also wasn't the end of the world. And I was getting help from everywhere. The former version of me would be railing at God for being a bully. Instead, my prayers were only ones of gratitude and the affirming that regardless of the appearance in front of my eyes, there was only good happening there. I sang, I shared stories, I offered tips, I answered questions and connections were made, immediate and deep connections. And as soon as I was done, the amazing super shero, Sarah, drove me to the dealership to get my car with its little itty-bitty spare tire, and I began my slow and steady trek to the McAllen Airport. The whole drive there, my prayer was, I am affirming that the person at the counter is kind, efficient, and has a sense of humor. Oh yeah, and please let there be a car there for me. When I arrived at the tiny McAllen Airport, I had no idea where I was supposed to go. The signage was not clear. Fortunately, I saw another helper. A kind airport security officer pointed me in the direction of where I needed to go. It was then a not so short walk uphill in the heat from the parking lot to the Hertz desk. When I reached the desk, I was a touch winded. That was where I met the next helper, Alex. Alex asked how they could help me and my response was, first, you need to give me a moment to catch my breath because wow, that's a long walk. (laughs) Alex smiled and yielded with a gentle, whenever you're ready. I explained the whole situation. Alex asked if I had my rental paperwork with me. As I leaned down to check in my backpack, I whispered a very quiet prayer of, please don't let me have left it in the hotel room. Can I tell you that I almost burst into grateful tears when I realized that I had the paperwork with me? I was positive I had left it in the hotel room. And yet there it was. Alex began doing their magic and we began to chat a bit. They acknowledged how frustrating this whole thing must be and we both recognized how lucky it was that I didn't get a flat on Thursday night while driving in the dark and in the rain. I commented on Alex's necklace and with a gleeful smile, they explained that it was a Slytherin locket. I have to admit, I was proud of myself for actually knowing what that meant. Alex said they got it at one of those Spirit of Halloween stores and I should really check that store out before I left town. When I say, God bless the nerds, Please know that I mean that with absolute reverence and pure honesty. (laughs) Coming from me, with my laptop that has stickers on it that read it's bigger on the inside and my other ride is a TARDIS, I include myself in the nerd category. Alex got me into a new car right away. When I asked if I would be invoiced for the tire, Alex responded, you might, you might not and they smiled and shrugged their shoulders and wished me well on my journey. Helpers all along the way. As I drove away from the airport, all I could think was, never before have I been helped by so many people that I had never met before. It was humbling. And as I got lost on my drive back to the hotel, (laughs) I finally let some tears flow, tears of gratitude and relief tears of prayer and miracles. I arrived back at the hotel and was greeted by my night clerk friend, Ben, who, as usual, asked me how my day went. I smiled and said, it was challenging. I got a lot of help though. He responded with his trademark smile saying, that's good to hear. Have a nice night, Rev. Rachel. I was so amazingly grateful to sit down on my hotel bed. I exhaled. I said one more prayer of gratitude, looked at DoorDash to see what I could get for dinner, and just relaxed. Something green, I thought. I hadn't had lettuce or any kind of salad for three whole days. After ordering, I changed into comfy clothes and went to take off the mala prayer beads I always wear, and kaflooey, they exploded off of my wrist. Beads everywhere. I started laughing immediately and said out loud, wow, I prayed so hard today, I broke my prayer beads. (laughs) I collected all of the beads and put them safely into a little cloth bag, shaking my head in wonder. Then I grabbed my salad from the DoorDash Deliverer helpers, two sweet young women, turned on the TV and watched all three men in black movies back to back, a perfect way to end the day. The next morning when I checked out, I gifted a copy of my book to Ben, who was just finishing up his night clerk shift. He smiled and said, now I have something interesting to read at work tonight. I thanked him again for all of his help and loaded up the car. Before I began the drive back to Austin, I met with Dr. Torres and his wife Dornay for brunch at an amazing tamale place. It's so popular that even at 10.30 on a Sunday morning, they had a police officer directing traffic in the parking lot. Once again, they treated me to a scrumptious meal of authentic Mexican hand-prepared food. Amazing. We talked about future collaborations as well as stories about our lives. And then I headed out onto the highway. Wait, (laughs) this story is not quite done with me. The thing about both rental vehicles I was given was that they were both very modern. My sweet car, Claire Two, is a 2015 Prius C. Basic, easy, they don't even make her kind anymore. Both the Jeep Cherokee that I left in Edinburgh and the Nissan Rogue that I was now in looked like airplanes inside. So many buttons and screens and warning lights and settings, and, and the Rogue was so new that the manual which I refer to as The Book, hadn't even been opened yet. Anyway, I stopped about halfway to Austin to fill the tank and grab something to drink. When I got back in, I started the car up and a warning light came on the screen. It said rear and had three red arrows pointing toward the back of the vehicle. Okay. I got out. I walked around to the back. Nothing looked amiss. Got back in, started it up again, and the warning light returned. I thought, well, The tires look good and the doors were all shut. It can't be that important. And I started to pull out of the gas station. I quickly realized that the engine sounded like it was about to explode and the car was barely moving. Okay. I made it to a driveway of a business and stopped again. Got out, walked around the car, nothing. Got back in, started it again, the warning light returned. I broke out the book, unsealed it, and it was completely unhelpful. It was time for another helper. This time it was Brianna with roadside assistance. I told her what was up and we started brainstorming. She was getting ready to call out a tow truck for me, which was troubling because I had no idea where I was. I was two hours into the drive with two and a half to go, and I was in the middle of what looked potentially like nowhere adjacent. The car was idling because I needed the air conditioning, and as we talked, the warning light went off. I said, oh, it just went off. What should I do? Brianna said, go ahead and drive a mile or two with me on the phone, and let's see what happens. I did. I was fine. She asked me to pull over so that I could get a case number from her should it happen again. And she surmised that what it was was an anti-carjacking setting. It was warning me to check the back seats to be sure no one had gotten into the vehicle while i was away and if they had the car would be undriveable for them of course it would also make it impossible for me to get away from them so there's a little bit of a glitch in that anyway we laughed i called her a goddess of helping she thanked me and i was on my way again My overnight stay in Austin was with a wonderful friend and helper who took such good care of me. She treated me to dinner at a restaurant called La Mancha. She gave me treats, got me orange juice and kept me safe. The next morning we had a lovely talk and then said goodbye. I prepared to head to the Austin airport super early so that I could get rid of the car and relax for my two upcoming flights. Wait, there's still more. I got into the Rogue, started it up, And there was that warning light again i opened my door to go check the back seats and the light went right off i thought oh that's the key i just need to open and shut my door relieved i started on my way to the airport i stopped to top off the fuel tank and once done with that i started the car up and you guessed it the warning light came on again so i opened and shut the front door it stayed on i waited a couple minutes I opened and closed my door. Nope, that warning light was staying on. So I slowly moved the car from the pump, parked it, walked around it, opened every door and got back in. And the light was still on. I let the car idle and I sat there thinking, choice Reverend Rachel, you have a choice right now. You can get angry and frustrated and have a tantrum, or you can take a deep breath Be grateful that Nissan cares enough about you to install a security system. Be grateful that you have plenty of time and just wait a moment. And so I chose the latter. And in about a minute, the warning light went out. On I went. After returning the car and walking the miles and miles from the rental cars to the terminal, I pondered my next two flights. I had a whole lot of time in Austin and then very little time when I reached Houston to catch my connecting flight. So I went to the United counter and I found a lovely radiant helper whose name I couldn't see her badge was turned around and explained my situation. She put me on standby for a flight that would be leaving in an hour, which would then give me a more than 90 minute layover in Houston. She couldn't guarantee a seat on the earlier flight. She just did her best. I went to the gate, spoke with the friendly human there, and she told me to stay close during boarding. Well, not only did I get on that earlier flight, I got a window seat, my favorite. The skies were clear, no bumps, and we landed in Houston with plenty of time to spare, which was a good thing because it was quite the journey to get to my connecting gate. I never would have made that connection if I had been on that later flight. Thank you, helpers. I made some friends along the way to the next gate as well. Random conversations, letting folks get in line before me for a pretzel because they were in a hurry, smiles to and from one another, humans interacting whenever possible. Always remembering that everyone is having a day and they just might need to see a smile or have a helper show up just like I did. And then on my flight home, I had the entire exit row to myself. So after all this, what can I tell you? We are always a choice in every moment. Even when it feels like all the choices suck, we still have a choice. We can choose to suffer or struggle. We can choose to have a tantrum or take a breath. We can choose to complain and see the worst Or we can seek out something, one thing, anything to be grateful for and grasp onto that. And we can look for the helpers, from hotel desk clerks to the tire guys to roadside assistants to folks waiting to show up in service to whoever is nearby. We always have a choice. One last piece. When I shared on Facebook about my prayer beads busting out all over, I was still wondering, unsure if this was some kind of sign, and possibly not a good one. And then another helper showed up. A wonderful friend shared with me her perspective on this. This sister in spirit is an Ifa Orisha practitioner. She taught me a basic lesson about the prayer beads she uses. They are called Ilekes. When the time comes that, after wearing them for a long while, they break apart, it means that the orisha they were infused with has given its all in service to protect her. It's not a negative thing. Even though we grieve the loss of them, our connection to them, it is not considered to be a quote-unquote bad thing. It just means that their service to us has come to completion she advised me that my prayer beads were imbued with whatever deity was protecting me. And it simply had nothing left to give. They were done with their work, which of course makes total sense, especially after that long day of intense praying. Think of it as similar to a saint medal or a Jewish star or a cross or any other spiritual symbol that we wear or carry with us. In the end, And yes, you finally made it to the end of this episode. I need to speak to what is going on in the world. And there is a lot going on. In these times here and everywhere, it is so very important that we look to the helpers, that we do our best to avoid the extremes, and that we remember that everyone, even those who appear to be against us, everyone is carrying some kind of weight. They're searching for a way to live their lives. In between the extremes, there are human beings. So as I continue to learn, I am always still learning, I work to remain present, to remember that I am at choice, to continue to stand in the threshold, holding the space of nuance and the concept of both and. I invite you to stand there with me, And let me be your helper as we all continue to try to breathe, to hydrate and to listen.
1: the vision say Away from where I.
0: Thank you so much for listening to, I Wasn't Always Like This, an uplifting podcast about living with depression. As I said at the end of the episode, I am finding it absolutely necessary to remain in a place of holding more than one reality at a time, to remember to stay open to seeing all perspectives, even the ones I don't like. If you wanna talk about this with me, I'm here always. Also, if you'd like to listen to a recent conversation I had with my friend Emily on her podcast, please check it out on the website. I got to talk about my dad, and it was glorious. You can find it by clicking the news tab of my website. There's lots of good stuff there. As always, at the website, the whole podcast is available starting from our first episode in June of 2020. There's info on my book, how to get it, as well as other cool stuff. And of course, there's always that all important contact tab. If you wanna reach out or to receive my truly sporadic information only emails, please use the contact tab. The website is www.revrachelhollander.com. That's Rev, R-E-V as in Valerie, rachelhollander.com. Holding all in the high watch as we navigate the turbulent moments, as I seek out the helpers, I am always grateful to be a helper. Please take good care of yourselves and one another. Talk soon.